We've come back to this place for the joy, for the wonder, for the excitement. We come here to feel joy, sadness, love, fear, triumph. We come here to think and to have our minds challenged. When the image is framed to perfection, when the sound envelops you, when the music begins to soar, we take flight to go somewhere new, to remember where we came from, to imagine where we can go. Because in a place like this, everything feels right. Why did it have to be snakes? Get in, loser. We're going shopping. all right? Yep, two corpses. Everything's fine. I'm your huckleberry. Get away from her, you bitch. Are you not entertained? You want to make them an offer? Oh, no. Oh, you do it off. Oh, you do it off. Even in the stupid, stupid universe where we have hot dogs for fingers. I'll have what she's having. Welcome to another episode of In a Place Like This. I'm Chris Michael Smith, joined today by, well, it's complicated. So my original plan for this episode was to release it, number one, last month, and number two, to get back all of my guests from last season to record, uh, re to record with me or send in the list or send in a recording of what their favorite films of 2022 were. It turns out that was a very, very big uh, idea, which I, I, I still like the idea. The problem is we have to get everyone's schedules in sync. We have to, everyone would have to make time. Uh, everyone has their own lives. Everyone is busy. In fact, some of them have not seen that many films last year, at least not enough to put together a list. So. I was able to get a recording with Shane Anderson, who was my guest for the Everything Everywhere All at Once episode. I will be sharing that conversation in just a bit. His taste in movies, by the way, is astounding. Uh, every time he has recommended something to me, it has just blown me away. It is... Shane is someone who really loves movies, and uh, he loves recommending those smaller films that you might not have even heard of, but they're going to be awesome. Like, for instance, last year, he recommended to me uh, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, which, by the way, ended up on my 2021 list of best films. So yeah, very excited to share my conversation with him for 2022 because there are some very interesting films on there. Some of which I struggled to find uh, as of now, but hopefully they get a wider distribution at some point. So with my best movies lists, I've decided to do something a little bit different. Um, I don't like to rank things anymore. I'm never really married with the placement of some films. It feels like I'm leaving out too many, too many like really good ones and for me I think the purpose of this podcast is to recommend as many awesome films as I can or any uh, any films that I loved so instead what I did was I did it I did go onto Letterboxd and make a top movies list per genre um but I didn't rank them I just picked my favorite from those put them on top and the rest are all alphabetized so uh, before I read off my lists, I'm only going to really embellish on the ones that I gave best 
film of that genre to. I do want to preface this by saying that particularly in like maybe the music slash musical genre, um, some of these are films that didn't get great reviews and uh, are, to say the least, divisive. So if I'm recommending something that, like, say, you heard wasn't good, uh, just know, again, especially if it is a musical, uh, I love musicals. That's, like, my favorite genre, and I will automatically give films an extra bump in esteem if they just happen to be a musical. Also, one of the uh, dramas on there is very divisive, uh, especially since one of the nominations it received a lot of people believe was undeserved. I highly disagree with that. I thought that performance was excellent and was one of the reasons I did end up loving it so much. Uh, I Also, it was one of those cases where I expected it to be really bad, and when I watched it, I'm like, huh, I really love this movie. Uh, go figure. So, again, when you hear the title, you'll probably recognize it when you hear it. It is under under the drama category. Just know that this is a divisive film, but I loved it anyway. Uh, this is my opinion. Uh, so, yeah. I, I'm not interested in anybody telling me, well, that movie sucked. I don't care. That's not what this podcast is about. This is about what I loved. Uh, if you disagree, what I would prefer you do is send me your recommendations Send me the films that you love, uh, because that's that's what we do here. That is our thing. So I would like to start today with best horror. Uh, horror in 2022 was astounding. What a year for the horror genre. Uh, some really, really great films. So many of them. Like, even the lower tier ones, even like the, quote, disappointments, were still, like, fascinating to watch. So much fun. Um, so I'm going to... This is actually one of my most populated lists uh, this year. Just because there were just so many, like, banger after banger after banger. This was great. This, uh, And in fact, like, this is even with me, like, m trying to figure out, is this horror or comedy? Is... Yeah, I, I do that a, a few times here. But moving on. Horror 2022. My runners-up are... Barbarian, The Black Phone, Bodies, 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 The Cursed, Halloween Ends, Hellraiser, Men, The Menu, Pearl, Orphan, First Kill, Prey, Scream, Smile, Werewolf by Night, X, and You Won't Be Alone. And my pick for best horror film of 2022 is Nope. So this is the third of three Jordan Peele films that ended up being my favorite horror film of the year. Jordan Peele just continues his streak as one of the most exciting and inventive filmmakers working today. Uh, nope is very much tongue-in-cheek um, horror slash action slash adventure slash somewhat almost comedic at points. Uh, it's very reminiscent of Jaws in that way. All-around performances were great. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. I, I want to take a moment to talk about Kiki Palmer. Uh, I've loved her ever since Aquila and the Bee. She is just a phenomenal actress. 
Uh, and her work here, I wish, got way more recognition than it did. Uh, she was so much fun, so much energy, so, so much of a joy to watch. I couldn't get enough of her. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya was great. Uh, Stephen Yun is fantastic as well. There's this one scene, it's towards the beginning of the film, where he's like describing a traumatic event from his childhood, and he's laughing about it, but with the edit of that scene, plus the look on his face, Stephen Yeun's performance during that scene tells a different story than what he's actually saying, and that is just brilliant acting, brilliant filmmaking, brilliant everything. I can't recommend Nope enough. It is one of the most films you films mo, one of the most fun films. <laughs> yes, it is a film that you will see all year. Next up is the music slash musical genre. Uh, this is where you may disagree with one of my with one or two of my choices. Uh, just understand this is my opinion. It's musicals. This is my favorite genre. I'm bumping them up because they are musicals. So here we go. The runners-up for Best Music slash Musical are Disenchanted, Matilda the Musical, Spirited, and Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. My pick for Best Music slash Musical of 2022 is Elvis. When it comes to rock biopics, I tend to be a little bit more critical, uh, mainly because they're kind of all the same. It's kind of bonkers how... It's seemingly every single rock star who ever existed went through the same life trajectory, had the same struggles, had the same pratfalls, had the same flaws and everything. And it's like, these are all supposed to be different individual people. And I guess that says something about the industry in general, how that sort of invites drug use, that invites infidelity, that invites all of these things, which it would kind of make sense that these, all of these different performers from different backgrounds, from different walks of life, all had the same experience once they hit fame. Elvis kind of does as well, but the movie does something different. And that's what you have to do if you're going to make a rock bi biopic, is you need to flash it up. You need to dress it up. You need to make it look spectacular and Baz Luhrmann is the guy to do that uh this is the Mulan Rougeification of the rock biopic and I'm living for it uh the style the the flair Austin Butler's performance even Tom Hanks which I know that got a lot of criticism I thought it was great as soon as I found out he was Dutch I was like Okay, yeah, there we go. That's what he's going for. It, it, the whole movie is like one of the... It's one of the best looking movies you'll see all year. It's exciting. It's panache. It's... Am I using that word right? I don't even know what panache means. But I'm just going to say it's panache. <laughs> it's... It even taught me something new about Elvis. I did not know things about Elvis that this movie told me about Elvis. Does it clean up his image more than we wish it would? Yeah, that's going to happen anytime like an estate approved biopic happens. But as a film, 
Elvis was great. I loved it. I have no complaints. Uh, it's one of the best rock biopics I've ever seen by a mile. Moving on to action adventure. My runners up here are All Quiet on the Western Front, Ambulance, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Brahmastra Part 1, Shiva, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World Dominion, Kimmy, The Lost City, The Northmen, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Thor Love and Thunder, Top Gun Maverick, and The Woman King. Uh, this was, this would have been a tough choice had it not been this movie. This incredibly bonkers, insane, fun, exciting, incredible film, unlike anything I had ever seen before. I've been recommending it all year long. In fact, the only reason it's not my pick for best picture this year is because another one that is even more bonkers, more fun, more insane, came out the same year. Uh, but my personal pick for best action adventure of 2022 is RRR, S.S. Muli's Telugu masterpiece. Uh, one of the biggest films to come out of India. It became a phenomenon in the United States, and for good reason. This is just a very fun to watch movie. I'm sure we've all seen the Oscars by now. We've seen that incredible performance of the song Natu Natu. It's great. And in the movie, it's great. The choreography is stunning. It's one of the most jaw-dropping dance sequences I've ever seen in a movie, which makes it even more impressive they were able to recreate that on stage with more people. It's great. I, it's just incredible. That doesn't even begin to cover what the movie is. Because, yes, it's a musical, uh, which basically that's kind of uh, par for the course when it comes to films from India. But it's an action movie. It's a really, really exciting action movie. It is so badass. You will see so many stunts, effects, fight scenes that you've never seen anything like that before. There's a scene where, like, one of the characters bursts out of a cage with a bunch of animals and they wreak havoc on a party and it's so delightful to watch. But also, on the other hand, it's a bromance. It is a fun and beautiful bromance between these two best friends and they are so much fun to watch together. Look, it is everything that you go to the movies for, you will get that out of RRR. It's great. I, I cannot recommend it enough. It's on Netflix. Check it out. It's one of the best movies of the year. It is, in fact, my runner-up for Best Picture this year. Uh, again, if it weren't for my pick for Best Picture, this would have been it, uh, hands down. But again, uh, 2022 in general, what a year. What a year. And now here comes animation. Uh, my runners-up here are The Bad Guys, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, The Bob's Burgers Movie, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Dragon Ball Super Superhero, 
Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Lightyear, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, Strange World, Turning Red, and Wendell and Wild. My pick here is, and again, this was a tough choice because like I was caught between this and Pinocchio, but I'm going to go with Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Um, it was such a beautiful film. It will tug at the heartstrings in a big bad way. It is also adorable. This is one of those be kind movies and it will just, it will melt your heart. Uh, such a delight to watch. And also probably bring tissue. You might tear up a little bit. For best documentary, I have All That Breathes, Fire of Love, George Carlin's American Dream, Jackass Forever, and Lucy and Desi. My winner, uh, the one that I picked, was Moon Age Daydream. Now, when you do a documentary uh, biography about a rock star like, say, David Bowie, um, those tend to be kind of like rock biopics, kind of the same, except what Brett Morgan did here was he made it a full-on art project. This film is just mind-blowing in how it tells the story of David Bowie's life, um, and it does so in such a visually phenomenal way where it's like, you wonder if this even is a documentary any anymore or like a surrealist dreamscape that just happens to talk about David Bowie. It's almost impossible to describe, but this was one of the most interesting movies I've seen this year. Uh, I would highly recommend you check it out. Under Best Drama, my runners-up are After Yang, After Sun, Argentina 1985, The Banshees of Inna Yes, I know that's kind of a comedy, but it's also kind of a drama, and I had to choose between the two genres, and I picked a drama. Whatever. Moving on. Black Box, Blonde, Causeway, Decision to Leave, Emily the Criminal, EO, Hustle, The Outfit, Tar, 3,000 Years of Longing, Till, Women Talking. And my pick for best drama of 2022 is The Fablemans. Anyone who knows me knows that I am unabashedly a huge Spielberg fan. So when Spielberg releases uh, his most deeply personal film, and it's also like top tier for him as a director, which is saying something, of course I'm going to give it to that movie. Like, uh, it's... It, I'm not going to say it wasn't even close because there were a lot of great films here, but like what he does with this film, it just kind of like really reinforces how much this guy loves movies and how self-aware he is, uh, how aware he is on like how his filmmaking style is interpreted versus what he's actually saying. Um, also just his staging, his blocking is unparalleled by pretty much anyone else in Hollywood. Um, I mean, yeah, there are tons of great filmmakers, but, like, for me, like, he's top of the line. He's the best. Uh, the Fablemans is so 
emotionally satisfying. The performances were great all around. I wish uh, both Paul Dano and Seth Rogen, yes, Seth Rogen should have been recognized for his performance here. It is one of his best films or his best like performances. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Williams was great. Um, the whole, the, the everything. Uh, the final shot is one of the best moments I've seen all year. Uh, it is just great. And it, it looks like it takes itself seriously, but it really, you know, it's playful. It, it's very playful. It, it, but at the same time, yeah, this is his life. So, of course, there's some gravitas to it. It's hard to describe, like, how seamless the tonal shifts are. But... Yeah, this is this is just a a great film. It's one of Steel uh, one of Steven Spielberg's best. So, check it out. I saved comedy for last because comedy is where my best film of the year is. So my runners up under comedy. Um, so, okay, real quick before I start this, uh, we saw that we picked the Fablemans for drama. Uh, before I continue my top two three and four for the year because i do have that um number two was rrr as i mentioned before my number four film was the fablemans and my number three film is one of my runners up for comedy which is babylon uh a, a word about babylon this film was unfortunately slept on it got a bad reputation uh because of its length because of its it, excessiveness which was part of the point of the film uh babylon is my third favorite film of the year uh damien chazelle is one of the best filmmakers working today i'm not saying that lightly i know he's only made like a handful of films but every single one of them he has shown his strength as a director uh babylon has some of the wildest sequences you'll ever see uh and the fact that he was able to make that work in such a beautiful and just jaw-dropping way and the fact people didn't appreciate that just really like how <laughs> did we even watch the same movie uh for me this is this was such a phenomenal film i think it's finding its audience now that it is hit streaming and you can kind of watch it on your own terms on your own time when you could pause come back to it later uh but Oh my gosh, I, I'm so sad this one got slept on because it is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. So that was the first film on my runners-up for comedy. The rest are Bros, A Christmas Story Christmas, Clerks 3, Easter Sunday, Fire Island, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, I Want You Back, Official Competition, Triangle of Sadness, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, Violent Night, and Weird, The Al Yankovic Story. Now, my winner for this category, as well as my pick for Best Motion Picture of 2022, if you have not yet guessed what movie this is, you have not been paying attention to me since, well, a year ago, right around now. Like, literally, like, last March. Uh, this was 
not only my favorite film of the year, it actually dethroned Casablanca as my favorite movie of all time. I have called Casablanca my favorite movie of all time for at least a decade now. And now that this movie came out, and I've seen it four times since its release, uh, and that's a lot for me. Rewatches are kind of hard because I'm trying to watch a bunch of new movies. Everything, everywhere, all at once is literally the title describes the movie. It's funny. It's sad. It's heartwarming. It's action-packed. It's fantasy. It's sci-fi. It's all of it. Everything you could possibly want out of a movie. These performances, all of the actors, every single one of them. Michelle Yeoh, Kehui Kwan, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Stephanie Hsu. As much as I was happy for Jamie Lee Curtis winning the Oscar, Stephanie Hsu was the heart of that movie, and I wish she got more recognition for it because she absolutely deserves it. Oh my gosh. Uh, what have, what more can I say about this movie that I haven't already said? I recorded an entire episode on it last year. I, it was named my favorite movie on the halfway point of 2022 when I did that mini episode. Uh, but it, it's getting a small backlash right now because, you know, there's lots of political reasons for that. But for the most part, this is one of the greatest films ever made. It is my personal favorite. Uh, I can't talk it up enough. It, it needs to be on every single, like, if AFI makes another top 100 list, it needs to be on that list. If, like, it needs to be on the IMDb top 250. It needs to be one of the best-reviewed movie on Letterboxd. It is currently the most awarded movie of all time. And I honestly, I can honestly say from the bottom, the, from the bottom of my heart, no movie has ever deserved it more. <sighs> Okay, <laughs> so going moving on, I am excited, absolutely excited to present to you my conversation with Shane Anderson on his favorite movies of 2022. All right, and with us we have from our Everything Everywhere All at Once episode, Shane Anderson once again discussing his favorite films from 2022. Hello, hello, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> That's great to have Again. you back. Glad, <laughs> glad for coming back. Uh, thank you for coming back to record, rather. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm going to ask a really tough question. What is your What were your favorite films of 2022? Uh, it is a tough question because this year in particular was like packed. And it's not even like what I realized is that it was like packed, not just the weird art house films, but like the studio films were also really good this year. <laughs> I was yeah. like, across the board. I was kind of, it's really hard. I've kind of narrowed it down. I've got like an honorable mentions and then like a 10 that I really liked, but any of these movies could be a top 10 material or best of the year. It's sort of not my lists. The ranking, my list is very arbitrary, except I guess for my first place, because I think we're going to know what that one is, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll save it. So um, honorable mentions, I got uh first up is like, a double feature just because they're linked is Fire Island and Bros, the two gay rom-coms of this year. I'm I'm digging the renaissance of the rom-com uh, and yes. the, that they're including gay rom-coms. It's just great. And they're very different movies, but they're super enjoyable and super witty. I had like a blast with both of them and more of this, please. I, I would like to be writing or making one, but I'm happy, I'm happy to watch them <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I love both of those. <laughs> those were amazing. 
Yeah. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. There's going to be a couple of these ones that don't need my commentary because everyone's talked about them to death. Top Gun Maverick is one of them. It's that that's it's what movies were made for. Just that experience. Uh, really, really good and a, a really good. Everyone's complaining about the script Oscar nomination, but I actually think it was because that's a hard movie to pull off considering what the first one is and considering how long it's been and all that. I thought it was just fantastic. Uh, the Sea Beast. I'm really glad this one got an Oscar nomination because it's truly beautiful for an animated film. Uh, the story is maybe not quite as tight as like How to Train Your Dragon, which it's very similar to, but it was just so beautiful to look at. I was like, I was enthralled. I'm so happy it's getting some attention because it was really, really well done. Uh, Ambulance, Michael Bay's best film. <laughs> not wrong. It rewatches so well too, which I didn't think it would, but it's truly like, maniacal energy um and weirdly michael bay ended up having a properly gay character before disney did so that's just a little bit of extra fun aspects to it but i just i had fun it's a wild ride visually it's what some of his best work it's it's his shtick put on the perfect story for it um of the northman uh, I was a bit upset that this was kind of overlooked in the award season. It's a very crowded award season and it got an early summer release. So that tends to happen. Yeah. But like we were talking about studio films, this is a studio film <laughs> and it doesn't look like it. It doesn't sound like it. It's weird and tragic, stunning to look at. And it's Nicole Kidman's best performance since Paddington one. I will stand by that statement. <laughs> uh, it's She's so good in it. And that whole film, I was just enthralled from beginning to end. It was so more studios should bank on weird stuff like that uh bullet train this is some of the most fun i had in the cinema for all of 2022 it was visually fun the acting is wacky the soundtrack is absolute fire it, i i've watched it now twice and i own it on 4k it's so much fun like if you want fun and movies this one is the one to go to uh 3000 years of longing uh, which is one of those weird ones that kind of got dumped for its release, but it's a really weird fairy tale. Hundred percent my jam. That's you know my favorite filmmaker is Guillermo del Toro, who will be making another appearance later on. Uh, and this kind of weird fairy tale genie thing. It's so. Have you seen it? Not yet. It's on. It's on my Netflix DVD queue. <laughs> right, right. It's really yeah. beautiful and strange, and I think everyone. It's such a great, I did Fury Road and then I come and do this. And it's such a great like right turn for George Miller. It's such a complete 180 in terms of style and tone and all that. It's, it's, I loved it. I loved it. I want to revisit that one. Uh, the Lost City, another studio comedy. I had so much fun. It's really inspired choice to make Daniel Radcliffe a villain. Yes. It was great. I love Romancing the Stones. So this is just more of this. Um, two horror films, Smile and Barbarian with just phenomenal craftsmanship. And I love that Smile in particular wasn't afraid of a jump scare. We've gotten a bit snobby about jump scares. We're like, ooh, a jump scare is tacky. I'm like, no, give me just really good jump scares. Smile did it. excellent jump scares too. Yeah. Uh, Decision to Leave, which is loved in in a lot of the critical circles, really beautifully made. Uh, and it's like an old school melodrama turned thriller. It had felt like a Hitchcock thing. Um, this is a little less known film. It's called Mr. Organ. It's a documentary from the guy who did Tickled, if you've ever seen Tickled. I haven't seen that one either. Oh, watch them as a double feature. They're fantastic. It's a New Zealand filmmaker named David Farrier. 
Um, and Tickled was quite a cult hit. And I think a lot of people went into Mr. Organ wanting the same kind of thing. And it's almost like the anti-version of that in terms of its structure, but it's just some of the most fascinating documentary filmmaking, like, period. It's really good. Uh, Something in the Dirt, which is a low budget. I want to kind of highlight with this list a couple of lesser talked about films. So Something in the Dirt's this queer-tinged, buddy, sci-fi, genre-bending thing from the guys who did, like, a Synchronic and Spring and um, The Endless. It's another one. They do these really low-budget sci-fi genre-bending things, but Something in the Dirt is good, and then I didn't expect it to be, like, super queer as well. It was really fun. Uh, Resurrection, which is a horror film. Rebecca Hall's performance is, like, the best thing, and Tim Roth is scary as hell. It's as scary as Patrick Stewart was in Green Room. It's like it's Resurrection is fantastic. It, it's, it's hard to pitch it because the story is a bit strange, but just if you want a good actress acting the crap out of a role, uh, Resurrection is great. Piggy, which is a very small uh, Mexican horror film uh, with very Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. It was just really interesting. I love something that's strange and weird. Uh, Banshees of Inner Sharon, no context needed. It's got yeah. a billion awards and it deserves all of them. Uh, Wendell and Wild on Netflix. One's beautiful. Excellent. Henry Selick is back and it's so good and really poignant story. I had so much fun with it. Uh, the Woman King. Viola Davis should have been at the top of everyone's acting list. It, what the hell does she have to do to get the respect she deserves? Because she, what she's doing here is just phenomenal. And the movie was riveting and um important at the same time and movies really straddle that line well they're either really important and they're not as good of an action film or they're a good action film and they're very careless with the themes and the ideas and the woman king balances it perfectly um nearly there sorry uh after sun uh which is just watched that one yesterday mm, achingly beautiful it's the kind of film that haunts you like long you'll you'll be like a week later and you'll be thinking on bits and pieces uh charlotte well should have been up there with directing talks because what she was doing was very different and very beautiful um and it's almost an art film but it's really accessible at the same time uh this one's a little film this is a it's called disney channel's theme colon a history mystery this is a youtube documentary from kevin perjura aka defunct land um and I just went in because it was going viral, you know, and I watched it and it kind of hit me hard in the feels. Even as someone who's not like, I'm not attached to Disney in a way a lot of other people are. But this has a really beautiful thematic thread about being an artist and me being a creative. It um, it, it hit me unexpectedly and I keep thinking about it. It's just a really well-made documentary that investigates the um, history of the dun, 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 that little riff in the Disney Channel and it investigates where it comes from and she's trying to find the original composer and it's really really wonderful just and it's just free on youtube go to defunct lands youtube channel that's like that's the kind of thing my list is made for is weird little films like that i i love their channel too they're they're amazing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um mayfly which is a queer mexican coming of age film or ephemera um from luis mariano garcia and it's about a girl who can see when people are going to die. They start shining to her and she starts, she falls and has like a romance with a girl from her school. And it's just this beautiful queer coming of age thing. It's very gentle, but really poignant at the same time. And so it's called Mayfly. I'm not sure where this one's available. I saw it through a film festival, a queer film festival. Uh, Strange World, 
Disney's best film that they refused to market. <laughs> Tell me about it. It was yeah. so visual. It was so fun. It was so queer. I love the upending of the villain trope in it. It was really clever. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy it's finding an audience now. I'm just mad it didn't get the love it deserved. Uh, Prey, best Predator film. I'm yes, not as absolutely. big of a fan of the franchise as other people. So Prey was like stunningly made, beautifully acted. It was about something really poignant too. Puss in Boots 2, the internet has said more than I can. Uh, it's really great. Also, the first one is really good too. I, I hadn't yeah. seen it and then my partner showed me and, and then we went and saw the second one together. It was just so much fun. Nanny, which is a folk horror film from Nikiatu Jusu. It was kind of unfairly ignored in the awards race for the indie. You know, there's like the independent spirit and all that. It's like this horror, um, folk horror thing about a nanny who starts working for a white family, black um, uh, nanny from Senegal. And it's the cinematography is like some of the best of the year. It's so beautiful and haunting. That's one of those ones that will stick in your head for a while. Uh, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, which is sort of a mockumentary mix. And it's, you've got to watch it just for the two performances, the two lead performances, Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. Crush it. It's it's incredible work. And one I just watched last night called No Exit, which is on Hulu in America. It's on Disney Plus in Australia. Uh, it's this really brutal thriller with an absolutely knockout lead performance from Havana Rose Liu. Uh, it's about five people holed up in a community center and one of the the main girls, she notices that one of the cars parked outside has a girl tied up in the back. And so it's sort of like this whodunit meets Hitchcock meets Green Room. It's really, it gets quite violent. So if that's not your thing, that's not your thing. But it's one of the best thrillers of the year. So that's my honorable mentions and all of them could be top 10 material. <laughs> uh, my top 10 this year, I guess. Uh, if, uh, so this is the Fablemans. This is one that I can't really offer anything more on. I'm I'm a filmmaker and I've felt like an outsider. So the movie speaks to me on so many levels and also has my favorite final shot of the year. <laughs> the wittiest thing, he made it up on the day. Can you believe it? It's brilliant. I love it's it. So good. It's so, so clever. Um, now I try it, to get the horizon on the bottom of the screen or the top. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just clever. And David Lynch. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> it's so good um so this one is sort of the the most unknown film on my list but I, I wanted to try and highlight one of these in my top 10 it's called the dinner party it's like a micro budget screwball comedy uh the filmmaker's name is jw andrew and it's kind of like a dinner party goes awry as the hosts pile on lies after lies and unexpected guests keep turning up um it's i saw it via some film festival so keep an eye out the dinner parting um, and the lead, one of the lead actors, Will Sterling, I sort of like, I'm acquainted with him, but I'm not friends, uh, but he's sort of lead and he captures this like sociopathic Cary Grant energy. And he really takes on, I've seen a lot of people try screwball comedy. It's a genre I really love, but when they try and do a reference to it, they never do it well. And this one does it so well. And, um, Will Sterling takes on like this beautiful physicality that, is missing from because it's a very stylized form of acting from the 40s and the 50s and it kind of went to the wayside but he brings it to life in a really entertaining way so uh how, if you can find it somewhere the dinner parting excellent and no one sort of knows about it so i highly recommend that one it's all I'm black and white it. it's all black and white and everything too just with brilliant dialogue it's really fun uh next up is benediction 
which is a gay biopic of the poet Siegfried Sassoon. He was a World War I conscientious objector and a gay man. Um, it's very unusual for a biopic because it's long, it's elliptical, it doesn't follow a normal structure, it's kind of jumps between times, it doesn't have the typical we're dealing with the greatest hits of their life kind of thing. It it deals with a lot of mundane moments for the most part. Um, but it's it's one of those films where I walked out of it and I liked, I mean, people walked out in the middle of the film when I saw it. They were just got bored or whatever. But I just sort of sat with it. And like every couple of weeks, I just think on a scene or a shot or a moment. Um, the lead actor, Jack Loden, Loudon, um, he's from that Mary Queen of Scots movie. He's he's also dating Saoirse Ronan, I think. Uh, he's really, really good here. And Peter Capaldi plays the older version of him. But that movie's like haunted me since I saw it. It's really beautiful queer cinema. This year has been like fantastic for queer cinema, as far as I'm concerned. It's just brilliant. But Benediction's one of those lesser known ones that I highly recommend if you're if you have patience. If you, it's, it's a movie that requires patience, but really beautifully done. Uh, next up, Glass Onion. Not much to say here. It's it's very different to Knives Out, but that's its strength to me. It's funny and the craft is just brilliant from head to toe. I've seen it um, three times now and it holds up. It holds up on reviewing. And Hugh Dunn, it's a hard to get to do that because once you know, it shouldn't play as well a second or third time, but this one does. It's really, really good. Uh, Watcher. This was my favourite thriller, thriller of the year. It's this really taut, tense um, thing from uh, filmmaker Chloe Okuno. Uh, it's about a woman who moves to Belgrade. She's an actress. She moves to Belgrade because her um, partner gets work there and then she's kind of holed up with nothing to do when she can't really talk to the locals and then she kind of spies a guy um, across the way looking at her through the windows and it's sort of a, is he targeting me, is he not targeting me kind of it's Hitchcockian, and I know everyone uses that word a lot, but it's Hitchcockian in the best kind of way. So is it like uh, a reverse rear window, kind of? No, it's pretty close to rear window in terms of oh. the villain is the person you're looking at, but it's it, there's a lot. It's it's rear window meets Gaslight, the original Ooh. George Cukor movie. It's nice. very sort of a, a, a love child of those two, and the craft, the way she moves the camera, the way she uses reflections and light and movement, it's just a lot of people when this came out and it was hyped up by a lot of filmmakers and then layman saw it and they're like, eh, you know, I, cause there was not like a twist or anything to that, but that's not a, that's not what it is. It's like just this brilliantly shot film. It's so well-made and so tightly cut and shot. It's on shutter, I believe in America. Yes. So highly recommend it. I, I was on the, I was on the edge of my seat and it has maybe, my favorite of the year, like setup payoff moment. There's a payoff at the end that's set up beautifully. And it's weird because a lot of people haven't kind of picked up on it in the film, kind of like Ella Enchanted in a weird way where people didn't understand how Ella defeats the curse in Ella Enchanted by looking at herself in the mirror, as opposed to like, because a lot of people just think she just finds the inner strength or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 it's really beautifully set up in the film. It's just so subtle because it doesn't telegraph itself in a very um, on the nose way and watches the same kind of real subtle storytelling it's really beautifully done uh nope jordan peele's movie again not much i can add to the conversation here i i do think it's his best film uh in terms of his directing specifically the whole shot construction is if you'll forgive the pun it's out of this world uh <laughs> it's very inverted spielberg in a way it's really tightly done i reckon this is going to be a film that in like 10 years time everyone's going to 
realize what they sort of missed the first few times. Great cast and some scenes like the, have you seen it? Yeah. The uh, the scene with the crowd of people going up through the tubes, that has yeah. that has scared me to death. It's it's <laughs> unsettling in in all the best kind of ways. I uh, want to mention with uh, yeah. Kiki Palmer, like she's been amazing. Mm. Like even when she was like first starting out, the first movie I saw her in was uh, Aquila and the Bee, where she was in the Spelling Bee, and I thought she was excellent in that. And she was what like she was a kid at that point, and now she's yeah. like. Yeah, I feel like she should have been more in the awards talks as well this year because she was amazing in this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But you know, genre films, like the fact that yeah, Lupita Nyong'o not getting nominated for us is is criminal. It should be a crime. Um, Next up is, and this is going to end up somewhere on my list. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Yes, a new del Toro film will always end up somewhere in my top five or whatever he's my favorite filmmaker for a reason um i was crying my eyes out at the end of this movie heartbreaking so bittersweet bittersweet. yeah it kind of reminded me very much of six feet under if you've seen the show yeah it was just this and every shot in pinocchio is like a miracle i i almost like right near the top you see this shot of geppetto like carving a shoe and it's like an insert of like the tip of the the file going in the shavings are coming out and I'm like, how did you do this in stop motion with with clay and thing? I just wanted to cry at that point. It was so beautiful and rich and joyful and poignant. It's the best version of Pinocchio as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, I, I hope he does another animated film at some point in his life because that's something special. That was so beautiful. Yes. Um, number three, uh, not that we're ranking, is RRR. Uh, again, this is not much to add because the internet has has hyped this film up beautifully. It's, I will say, I've watched I've watched probably a, a few more Bollywood films than the average white dude, and even for the Bollywood films, this one is brilliant and it's so over the top and it's like more action movies should be musicals in my opinion. Thank you. <laughs> Why aren't they? I know, I know the dance number. Natu Natu had better win the Oscar, otherwise, we will riot <laughs> more than any other award. That's the one they should have got a best picture and a best director for that, I reckon. Yeah. And maybe even some actor awards, but uh, well, what are you going to do? Um, my number two, now, this wasn't in number two a few days ago, but uh, it's Babylon. Yes. I love to see the Babylon love. I, I, it's, I saw it and I was blown away by it at the time. And it's just been creeping higher and higher and higher the more I think about it. And I've been thinking about it basically like daily. I've been playing the music, which is it's the best score of the year by a long shot. Um, it, it really bowled me over. It's very Wolf of Wall Street in terms of the size and the excess. And I, I understand why it doesn't work for some people. But I don't understand the viscerally angry reception it got. Because yeah. I can understand being like, I don't like it, but there are people like Margot Robbie should be embarrassed and it's bad directing. I'm like, none of that is true. That is objectively false. <laughs> you cannot like it, but I don't like it and it's not good aren't the same thing. And people can't sort of, a lot of people can't seem to tell that difference in the in the discourse of everything. But I reckon in, in like 20 years time, all those people are going to pretend they liked Babylon all along because it's going to... Yeah. It's going to hold up and it's going to be the one that we point to and go like, oh, we don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. Um, I remember like 
well, it just came out on streaming, I think last week. Yeah. And just what I said when I saw it in theaters, I'm like, when this comes out in streaming, it's going to find an audience. Because I saw it in theaters. And it's also, if I were to make a top five, uh, that would be in it. About halfway through the movie, I was like, this needs an intermission. I need a chance to stand up, walk away, come back. It was a lot. And I, I loved that. I love that about it. But also like just so much sensory overload. And I'm just like, I, I need a break just so I can come back and appreciate this more. Right. I'm the kind of weirdo who like, I could sit through that like twice in a row. Like I've once watched uh, Magnolia twice in a row. <laughs> like that's the kind of weirdo <laughs> I am. Uh that that's Babylon's the kind of movie that moves at the speed it's like what it's like inside of my head <laughs> so I was just like I'm I'm living for everything in this and that final sequence yes I I wasn't expecting that and when it started I'm like oh oh this is not and then just the music and the sensory overload of that final sequence just absolutely like takes you like a tidal wave and it it's the part that I think about the most. It's it's brilliant, and I'm gonna. I want to revisit it. I want to see it again at the cinemas before it leaves, but I don't know if I'll get to get to it because it's it did not get a good release because it bombed and no one went and saw it and everyone hated it. So. <laughs> the whole thing about Damien Chazelle not being a good filmmaker or whatever that's bonkers to me because like the craftsmanship in that mm. movie was like its strongest suit. This is someone who knows what he's doing. Yeah, the shots through the giant crowd of party people at the top, like you can't do that and be a bad filmmaker. You can't. It's in, it's physically impossible. But um, I do worry that on at home people are going to be clicking away or you've already seen people take clips out of context and say, Margot Robbie's a bad actor. I'm like, no. Right? What are you doing? You can take anything out of context and make it look bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can take you can take clips from any, any movie, any actor. It's, it's, it's the way it goes. But my number one, uh not much has to be said it's everything everywhere all at once <laughs> oh i really thought it was gonna be morbius no i'm just kidding. oh no yeah look that's that's a that's a close second a close second <laughs> morbin time <laughs> a line um, that was definitely in the movie <laughs> yeah i saw i saw everything everywhere six times at cinemas and then i've seen it three times at home since i've seen it nine times in the span of a year which is a lot I think the last time I did something like that was I saw La La Land eight times at cinemas. Um, and and just like you, it's it's kind of become my favourite movie of all time. Yes. The craft is impeccable. The story is so beautiful. And all the performances are perfection. Like, I, I'm just so glad a movie this weird and life-affirming is at, like, the top of the awards conversation. And I don't care that people are sort of being contrarian about it and suddenly deciding that it's bad or whatever. It's truly like a miracle of a little film, the weirdest possible. There's sausage fingers for crying out loud. (laughs) And it works. Yes. And it works. works. And there's no way you could have told me five years ago that a movie with sausage fingers, where, where people go into a world with sausage fingers and they have mustard and tomato sauce all over their face, that's going to be a best picture, not only best picture nominee, but a best picture front runner. I wouldn't have believed you. So it's great. And I'm I'm so happy for that movie. So that is my very long list. It's And there's still like 30 other films I haven't seen from last year that I've got like a list of to cross off as I go. It's been yeah. the most packed year of cinema. It's been the best year in a very, very long time. I'm still working on mine too. I like I've seen nine out of 10 of the best picture nominees. Still trying to get a chance to see women talking. 
Yeah. Sony, please do a better job at releasing your Oscar movies because two <laughs> showings a day is really hard to like work into my schedule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, and they only put the sessions on like in the middle of the day and I'm, I work full time. So I'm like, oh, right. can't see it. It's very annoying. Only one, but uh, and still some, I haven't seen The Whale yet. I hear Brendan Fraser is amazing in that. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'll wait till that one comes at home, I think for me. Um, yeah. It can be a bit of a, a an intense dour film, as far as I've heard. So need to be in the right frame um, of mind. Aronofsky too, so he's he's yeah. already like a divisive filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. But yeah, this this year's been so good, and even like from the small micro budget films have been excellent to the indie films like Tar and all that. They're not on my list, but I can respect that weird cool films are kind of finding an audience um, to the giant studio stuff has all been like Nope and, uh, you know, Glass Onion and, and uh, the Northman, like we've, it's been good across the board at the different budget levels. And usually it's one or the other. There's great studio films and not good indie films or the indie films are usually the most thick, but across the board, it has been good. So I encourage everyone to try and hunt down some of the smaller, lesser known films from, from you my added list, some more to my list. There's something I'm like, <laughs> I haven't even heard of that one. I need to check They're that out. Really cool. I, I love <laughs> I love finding a new little film and then just like forcing it on everyone I know because I want them all to see it and all to enjoy yes. it. It's just great. So yeah, that's you need my more everything everywhere all at once is. Yes, yes. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Well, that's my list. Yep, that's a good list. I'm gonna check out the ones that I haven't seen yet, and I very much agree with the ones I have. So, oh, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. Good luck with your next year on. of your podcast. And I've hopefully I'll have my new podcast starting next this year, 2023. I've finally got a bit more movement on that. So, yeah, it's a very hard podcast to pull apart, but it's called One Season Wonders. So, keep an eye out for that. And that was my episode on the best films of 2022. Thank you again to Shane Anderson for recording with me once again uh, and for recommending all those brilliant films. Uh, Be sure to check out his podcast, One Season Wonders. And if you haven't had a chance to yet, uh, check out his film, Red Curtain Hell, available now on Vimeo. It is great to be back. I can't wait to record the rest of the season. I am so excited. I have so many cool guests lined up and sorry for the February and March episodes that kind of got maybe pushed to next year. I'm probably not going to do this bold of an idea again. So next year should be a little bit cleaner with that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were not just entertained, but somehow reborn together.